we want to welcome you once again on this uh, Friday uh, evening. I well, Friday evening, Friday night. I, I never know what to say, Martin, because you're just so far away. But for us, it's evening. It hasn't quite entered into nighttime. But we want to welcome all of you once again for joining us. Uh, whether you're watching us live at the moment or if you're watching us uh, later on, but thank you for connecting with us at Keep Calm Admin on on this what is it 24th of June 2021 year of our Lord. Yeah, man, I you know yeah, Jesus soon. I'm I'm tired of counting. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but uh, it's getting it's getting a little up there. But anyways, hey, my brothers, how are you guys doing today? Doing great, doing great. You know, uh, <laughs> it's funny that you say that about Martin. Because every time you uh, Martin will, uh, sends a text in, the, in our little group chat, he put, "I'll be on, on there at nine. and I'm like, for a second, I'm like, "Wait, nine? Wait, what?" Like it always throws me off. I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, wait." He's talking about Eastern time. That's so funny that you say that. But Look, I gotta uh, remember. I remember the same thing, man. I gotta remember the same thing that I'm three hours ahead, and and that it's still not Sabbath for you. And then I just automatically say, "Oh, it's it's nighttime." And here the sun just went down. By the way, that's it's crazy. Nine something, wow. and the sun just went down. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah. You know what? The, the time, the times uh, we, we try to make it work. And for those of you who wonder why we're like, if you're in California and you're like, why are they meeting so early? It's because Martin is so late. No, I mean, that's not, that's not right. That's not what I'm trying to say It's because <laughs> it's because Martin is out there. Yeah. But um, you know, again, I, it, we, we have a number of ways where you could listen to this conversation. Uh, it could either be uh, live. You could watch it afterwards on YouTube, on Facebook, or, you can also listen to us on Spotify. So, you know, it, it, hour doesn't matter as much as we want you to connect and be able to get a blessing out of this. Um, by the way, we got we to gotta give a shout out to those who are watching us live right now, specifically Christopher Lopez, who Chris hasn't been around ever. And, you know, here he is. Look, happy Sabbath. It's been a while since I joined one of these. Looking forward to it. Man, it's, 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 it's nice hey, to have him with us. Hey, leave it to Christopher, though. To join us on one of these topics, you know this is his lane right here. Oh, bro! Look, hey, let me I tell want, you, I, I want I've to see just, all types of comments. Chris. Yeah, I've I've been hearing rumors, rumors about what he's doing out in college, man. I heard he's turning into a Hebrew and Greek expert. Oh Hebrew my goodness! And Greek, not not just not just Hebrew or Greek, both. So man. I don't know. My my brother's on fire out there, uh, and we got it. We obviously we're going to be praying for him, but it's good to see him here. Um, and of course we have Jessica. We cannot have a keep calm. It just doesn't feel the same unless we have Jessica telling us happy Sabbath. And so there it is, right? Happy Sabbath from uh, Jessica from my church. Uh, and it's always good to have her uh, welcome us in this way. Uh, and for those of you who don't know or can't see or are listening, um, we uh, we don't have Jason with us today. So today we are not Jam. We're just M. Of course, Maureen, if you go first, we would be Ma'am. But I I don't I don't know I don't know, I don't that know if that's any good or not. So I'm I'm okay with M instead of Ma'am. Yeah, M M with two M's. There you go. But anyways, Jason, unable to join us today. We had a quick scheduling issue, and that's why we're meeting today. Uh, we should have been meeting last Friday, but really, mainly, it's my fault. I was not going to be around, and so we switched things around, which means that next week we're going to be having back-to-back -back conversations. So this Friday and a week from this time, exactly. We'll be having another conversation, continuing the line of, of what we've been talking about beginning uh, in our last conversation. So, again, we want to welcome everybody, um, and we want to jump into this. By the way, uh, I see I see Chris's comment here. He says, no, I didn't plan on it. I promise I just decided to join today. I don't know. Look, I really think he was just looking at the title, and he's like, yeah, that's the one. 
that that's I'm gonna join this one. All right. So, but anyways, um, but so we're gonna begin. And uh, for those of you who did not see our promo, maybe you did or not. Today, essentially, um, the conversation is titled "A Stumbling Block of Faith." Right? Stumbling mm-hmm. block of faith. And basically, basically, we want to talk about those apparent contradictions. Maybe they're real contradictions. I don't know. Right? But but these so-called contradictions that many many people when they come across them say nah see i can't believe i just i can't believe because look the bible just contradicts itself and so we we want to talk about that we want to tackle that we're not experts in the field but we're bringing our experience and what we know to your table to your television to your to your phone to your ears and we hope it's going to be a conversation that will help you out if you haven't encountered this to have answers when the question comes up and if you have dealt with the issue, you know, maybe this will bring some peace to your heart. By um, the way, from, from at least from our, my part, I don't know how you guys feel. I know for, as far as for myself, like, just like you said, I don't feel like we are, how would you say it? We are the scholars to speak on this topic, but we only take what we know. You know, as far as myself, I have a lot of sources that I'll be talking about today. None of it is things that I've come up with. It's all things that I've either, you know, looked into you know, heard about, you know, looked into different conversations on this, on this topic. So I think that that's all we can do with the information that we have, the abundance of information that we have in yeah. the internet as Christians is be able to look at these different things and bring these to the forefront. For sure. And you know what? I take it back. I'm sorry. I said none of us are experts in the field, but we do have Martin and Martin is an expert in every field. So, you know, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, Martin. I, I did not mean to offend you there. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, if I would say I'm an expert, I'm an expert at allowing other people to be experts because oh, very I'm nice. not that expert. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, so, so we want to start uh, and we want to jump into this conversation as quickly as we can. So, uh, Andrew, will you lead us with a word of prayer to begin this conversation? Uh, yeah, this is about our head. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you once again as your children, just asking that uh, you would be with us on this topic, Lord. We know this is an important one. This is uh, maybe one of those topics that maybe isn't touched up, touched upon so much in our church, Lord. So we want to bring it uh, to light. We just want to ask that um, in this conversation, Lord, that we may represent you correctly, Lord, and that um, ultimately, if we in some way do represent you wrong, we can take this as a as a as a I guess a learning experience where we can all go to our own homes, open up our, our Bibles, open up our, our our browsers, and really just dive deep into some of the things that we're talking about, Lord, because that's all we can do with the uh, the things that you've given us, Lord, is uh, uh, be genuine Christians, uh, 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 fortify our faith genuinely, and, and look into some of these uh, these uh, controversial topics. Lord, you just want to ask uh, for your spirit, Lord, uh, in everything that we do and say, Lord, and that, uh, Lord, now that we've been on so many different platforms, Lord, I just ask that you would continue to uh, just reach whoever it may be, Lord, even if we don't see the outcome, Lord, that... Uh, you may uh, touch those people in a, in a mighty way and that you would be with us in this conversation now. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Uh, and once again, uh, thank you, Andrew, for that. And again, for anybody who's watching us live, we we are appreciative of you and uh, and thank you for joining and connecting with us. And if you're watching us later or listening to us later, again, we hope that it's going to be a blessing. And thank you for uh, being able to connect with us in that way. So, um, guys, I want to share something with you to begin with. Uh, and, and it's weird because... Amarin, uh, I know that uh, when you studied uh, theology, you actually got undergrad, right, in 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 theology, right, at, at Antillian University. Um, Andrew, I know you've gone to uh, 
uh, at Seventh Day Adventist Academies. You also, I think, went to PUC as well. Um, you know, for all my life, I went to public schools and uh, up until I entered into seminary. But what I found very interesting was that as I was going through all my years, never really encountered this issue. And church itself never prepared me for this issue up until I went into college, UC Santa Cruz, which is mm. public university, you know, not, not religious at all. And then I started hearing these issues of contradictions in the Bible. And it was unfortunate for me because I had to go and look for these answers because no one, imagine that, for how many years I had gone to church since I was four, basically, no one had ever brought the topic up. It's as if, like, we were living in this closed uh, environment, right? Where all those, what was that? A bubble. A yeah, bubble. a bubble. Yeah, we're, we're like, you know, we're fine here, but, you know, whatever happens out there doesn't really matter. And I don't think that's true. I think that we now live in a world where these questions will come up on a regular internet search for the Bible. Like you may be looking for something different and all of a sudden it'll pop up and it'll say, Hey, look, contradictions in the Bible. We were, we've laughed a little bit about this, Andrew Martin, but <clears throat> there's like literally a webpage called infidels.org. Yeah, and yeah. the webpage is just like straight out meant for like total uh, exposition of all contradictions in the Bible and everything that's wrong with the Bible. Hey man, they don't miss a period in that on, on that web page, bro. If they they got a, a comma on one and they got a period on another one, a contradiction. It's it, it's absolutely crazy. And so, anyways, the world that we live in, our young people are encountering these issues. Yep. And so this is why we want to talk about this. Uh, we want to make sure that these questions don't catch you by surprise if you haven't encountered them. But let's start with this. Um, I, I think this is a fascinating question because I think a lot of times this is one of the things that, that people point to as to why they don't believe in scripture. Um, and, and I want to ask you guys this, I want to see what you guys think about them. And again, for anybody that's watching us live, feel free also to chime in. We'd like to hear from you. Um, and it's the following, right? It, it, the Bible, the Bible that we, that we love and respect and we read and, and we meditate on is the Bible a human document or a divine document how do you, how do you perceive this and why Wh which one is it for you so are, are we taking turns here or, or is like anybody jumps i just so want to make sure you can, that you guys can hear me because i have the ac on we can hear you okay good good yeah good. And, and it's a free for all by the way i mean okay yeah i think okay so if i were to define it i think it's both mm. it's both a human book and a divine book um for example it was written uh, with human languages. It was written by human people. And it uses the, it uses the lit literary forms that we as humans use. Um, it uses different human perspectives. It talks about real human issues. Um, it, uh, it, you can see the patterns of human thought throughout the whole book, you know, um, and, and, and one of the things that we, I think as Christians we can definitely relate to is that it talks about human emotions, right? Um, but that's the one 100% human. Because at the same time, I do think that it also shows a divine document. And if I were to zero in on one would be how accurately the Bible tells us the future, especially using prophecy. Hmm. Um if when you look at, for example, in the book of Daniel, you have an outline of the kingdoms that completely 
come in in order and in the way that we're going to go in order, not just uh, which one succeeded the other, but if if a general was going to die or if these generals were going to be removed, if this great uh, 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 leader was going to arise, it's accurately described in the Bible. And that's just in the Old Testament. And if you look in the New Testament, you have the full life of Jesus that was was both predicted before his 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 coming that as humans we don't have access to i mean we don't have that by our own nature it is god that reveals it through us you know so yes i think it's both a human book because it's written by humans but also a divine document that you can easily tell that no human can fabricate it you know no human can actually come up with it at least that's that's my explanation a single human for sure because it has multiple authors over a span exactly. of exactly 1600 years or whatever it is. And uh, yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, Andrew, what, what, what do you think about this? That, that, that's interesting that you said that. Yeah. Multiple authors. I think that we have the, how would you say it? Not the benefit. I would say we sometimes are blinded by the fact that we have all these books bound in one Bible, right? With red letter words, with quotation marks and punctuation and, and everything separated in, in almost uh, in categories and stuff. And to actually know that men, all these writers wrote at different times, at different periods, and the way that not only prophecy, the way that uh, the typology, if you look deep into the typology of things that, uh, you know, something in the Old Testament that represents a, a type in, in the future, you know, with Jesus, I think that, that that's huge. That speaks huge, just to go add to your point. But the question, you know, is this a human document or a divine one? I think... Um, um, Martin said it perfectly, but I think our problem is we don't, we don't, I think many people wouldn't mind saying it's a human docu document. It's how do we make the jump from a human document to a divine document? You know, how do we make that jump? You know, in that, in our last uh, conversation, we talked a little bit about, uh, the Bible, you know, the, uh, and, um, some of the evidences for the Bible, why we need the Bible and stuff like that. But if we can go through the hard work of showing, right, some of the evidences, for the for the resurrection of Jesus, if we can go through the hard work and look at uh, some of the uh, fulfilled prophecy, some of the undesigned coincidences, right, that we're going to be talking about today, and we can go through the hard work and look at all these different ev evidences, then at some point we would have to jump the hurdle to say, okay, well, if this is a historical document and all this evidence is true, then what does that mean for me? Right. And what were what was the significance of Jesus words? And if he believed that this was a, a, a divine uh, book, then now what does that mean for me? Right. So I think that at some point we have to jump that hurdle. Right. And I and I do think it depend, uh, 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 um, it's dependent a lot where we jump that hurdle of faith. Right. Because I think we can go to both extremes where we can say, oh, you know what? This is enough for me. You know, I, I believe the Bible. Right. And we could have those blinders on and go through all our lives just thinking, oh, this is this is uh, uh, sufficient. Right. And not ever really have a uh, how would you say it? a deep faith. Right. Or we could say the opposite. Right. And never really have. Uh, how would you say it? Never feel like there isn't enough evidence to jump that hurdle. So I think that um, it's crucial in looking at all these different things to be able to look at it and look. And I guess distinguish the two, whether it's a human document or a divine one.
Can, can I add something to what Andrew just said? Yeah, I think sure. it's something very important where he says that hurdle that needs to be jumped. I think most Christians are okay with jumping that hurdle. It is the the Bible denier or non-believers. The, the non-believer uh, that has a problem. They're like at that hurdle and they're deciding. Mm. And they're coming with the with I guess they're coming to the to the reality that if they jump that hurdle what does it say for them like like exactly what what andrew says so they rather remain on this side because you could even challenge a human book but the moment it becomes divine that's a hurdle that that no human as much as we want to or not no human can actually say yes that's correct no that's or we don't we lose control and as humans we we hate losing control Go ahead, Andrew. It looks like you wanted to say something. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to uh, kind of piggyback off of that because, you know, sometimes there's this idea, and I don't know if you guys have ever heard this before, and, and it's huge amongst the non-believers, right, where they'll say things like, right, because we're talking about is it a human document or a divine document, where they'll say, or, or for the resurrection or for the Bible or all these things where they'll say that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Have you guys ever heard that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of times people will say, oh, okay, well, you know, the and this is an interesting conversation that I actually listened to. And I thought it was a brilliant answer by an apologist named Frank Turek, because he talks about this, that this is what the, the atheist or the non-believer will say, that if Jesus rose from the dead. Right. Or if this is a divine document, then we would need the evidence to to be at that same level. Right. But mm -hmm. when someone says that, you know, you need extraordinary evidence, extraordinary evidence for an extraordinary claim. When you say that, if we put that uh, uh, side by side, we say, okay, what happened with Jesus, right? That he died and rose from the dead. That is a miracle, right? We would say that's a miracle. That's what makes it so special that no one else has done that in history, right? But then if we say that we need something at that level, then what you're really asking for is another miracle to prove that miracle. And then <laughs> if you say that, okay, well, now I need some, and it's a never ending uh, 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 how right, would you say it? Right, right. It just keeps going because right. now you're raising the bar to, okay, in order for me to believe this, I need another miracle to be, believe that miracle. And I yeah. think that, that if that is what uh, people mean when they say, you know, we need extraordinary evidence, then it, it never ends. As a, as a matter of fact, Jesus himself in the Bible kind of uh, condones this, right? We mm. know this at, at very time, various times where he says, oh, a wicked and perverse generation seeks a sign right in evidence in uh in essence him saying to speaking to the people at that time saying that these people just wanted continual signs and signs to show that he who uh, uh his authority right yep. and yep. obviously through the scriptures we know that miracle after miracle did not really do much for the people mm -hmm. yeah I, I look i want to chime in here and and uh, i'm going to take uh, chris's comment here because I, I again as a as an expert in biblical languages chris uh, you know, we need to we need to include his opinions. Now, I'm kidding, Chris. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. By the way, it's a total joke there, uh, but but I know you're going to get there. But you know, this is I think it's important, right? He says the Bible is both a human and divine document, like Pastor Martin was saying. God uses imperfect human words in an imperfect world and speak through those ways. That's right. I agree with that 100. Um, percent And in fact, if anything, if anything, I would argue that the Bible actually represents 
the union of both divinity and humanity. Now, not in the same way that Jesus represents this, right? Because we know that the incarnation is the very revelation of God in human form. Mm -hmm. um, but, but in a very similar way, and, and what's fascinating to me is that Ellen White makes a comment on this. I want to read this to you guys. She says, the Ten Commandments were spoken by God himself, that, that we know, right? And were written by his own hand. They are of divine and not human composition. We're good there. We understand that. But she says the following, but the Bible, with its God-given truths expressed in the language of men, presents a union of the divine and the human. Such a union existed in the nature of Christ, who was the Son of God and the Son of Man. Thus it is true of the Bible, as it was of Christ, that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So there is definitely something that happens in Scripture. Or, no, there is something that Scripture represents, right, That that is a happening to each. By the way, this is really interesting. When you look at actual Hebrew, right, and and many times, especially when you, whenever you get, you, many of you have seen these phrases, where you see that the word of the Lord, right, um, came to Jeremiah, whatever, mm -hmm. right, and he said, or something like that, and the Lord said. Well, the word that's used in Hebrew for, and the word of the Lord came, is actually happened. That's really what it means. And so it's a, it's a happening. It's an event, right? It's an event where divinity and humanity are joined together to produce something that's above and beyond, as you guys have mentioned, something above and beyond what human intellect by itself could have done. By the way, we don't claim that there was one author to the books of the Bible. There have been many. And how curious is it that after so many different authors— what you end up getting, human authors, by the way, is you end up getting this beautiful divine story from beginning to end that harmonizes in a million ways. Um, and so I, I think, by the way, I think this is such an important question because a lot of times I think Christians, maybe not so much Adventists, but a lot of evangelical Christians will present the Bible as a truly and only divine document. Now, we don't claim that the Bible is like the Quran where it was dictated by God to Muhammad, and this is what it is, right? You can never change it. That's not what we claim. What, what we claim essentially is that there is a mix of both. In fact, I, I want to just chime in with one other uh, quote here from Ellen White. I'm taking your role here, uh, Andrew, in, in the quotes, but but I, I think it's just, it's, it's a great quote. She says, the Bible points to God as its author, yet it was written by human hands. Oh, that's powerful to me, right? God is the author written by human hands. And it says that in the varied style of its different books, it presents the characteristics of the several writers. Hmm. Right? And, and she later on says uh, that the words of the Bible were expressed in the words of men. And so, uh, and, and, and adding on to what Chris was saying, right? It says that the words of the Bible have themselves embodied the thought in human language. So as long as we put things into perspective, the Bible should not be deified. The Bible is not God. It is not divinity. But it is what happens when God, divinity, and the human prophet come together and God inspires that prophet. So as long as we keep that in mind, I think it'll make the rest of this conversation easy. What, what say you guys about all this? Hey, I, uh, I just want to take a pause. I, I want to acknowledge one of the brothers that's here that, that he just walked in because he's letting me use his church. Oh, for sure. Hey, who is that guy? Hey. <laughs> oh, there he is. Oh, there he is. There What's he going is. On, oh. What's going on, Gio? Hey. This, you know, so if we need answers, he's here as the reference. 
yeah, pull you up know, a chair on this hey, guy, man. Hey, he's so is that how you do it, Martin? Is that how you do it, Martin? Every time you have an answer, he's kind of just whispering at the at your at your ear, yeah, like, you know, "Oh, that's that, that, that we've been doing it the whole time, and you guys didn't even know." If about I'm it. an expert, it's because he he's the one that tells me tells me the answer. Like, you don't have the earpiece today. He has them in person. <laughs> and, let, and let me and let me tell you. And when Martin's at home, that's why he's always looking down. He's texting Gio. So Gio texts him the answers back, and that's the way it goes. So, um, <laughs> it is, <laughs> hey, Gio, it it's good to see you, brother. Good to see you too. Hello to everyone there alive as well. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And feel free, man, if you want to join, pull up a chair. You know, but I know Martin likes to hog the chair, so uh, you, you know. That, no, this is this is my camera. No, if he I'll wants a be, camera, he he needs his own. You know, <laughs> that's good. Hey, it's, it's good to see. What well, we're gonna have Gio soon on another conversation here on on Keep Calm. <laughs> By the way, we did get a message also from Jason. Right, he says gang's almost there. Yeah, but you're not here, brother. So it, it'll it'll never happen. Almost is not quite there. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, but yeah, so so I I think it's just important to keep things into perspective, right? Mm. Human and divine. The product is a scripture. That's right. It's not equal to God, so we're not gonna put it as it, you know. Oh, oh, because you know why? Because we sometimes will say that scripture is infallible. Sure, no problem. But then we'll say it's an errant, and that really only belongs to God, mm. right? That, that, that to be completely without error, in other words, perfection, that is an attribute of God, not of anything that humans can produce. You know what? In, in my opinion, yeah. What, what you just said reminded me. I, I was thinking about it. Okay, because you said that the Bible, uh, Jesus is like the is is the example of perfection, right? With, sure. with God and God and humanity, but the Bible. What came to my mind is like it's it's a reflection of who, how we are with with God, mm. you know. Like if we wrote, if we were to write right a, a book on our relationship with the Lord, it would look like the Bible. Like if God gave us the opportunity to write it without His Holy Spirit, I think I think we would write it in a, in a very imperfect way. So I don't know if you guys catch what what I'm trying to say. Like 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 I'm okay. Like if. God inspires God inspires humans to write the the Bible and the Bible with its because it was written by humans you know um and its apparent contradictions like I, I'm still okay with that because it's a reflection of, of me there's a reflection of sometimes how I am it's a reflection of right. of how humanity is and the story of humanity with God is imperfect that doesn't that doesn't disqualify God who he is. It doesn't disqualify Jesus, who he is. You know, it, it actually shows a, a little bit more of a of a of a realness sure. to sure. what to what uh, our story is. Martin, but look, but how else can this happen? I mean, look, take take what the Bible tells us. It says that if we were to see God, we would die. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so God can't show Himself up in full divine glory as mm -hmm. much as we would like to see that. Can't do that. So he's got to find a way to be able to communicate and reveal himself to us. That's right. Right. And, and, and so look, I mean, it, it, it's not that, it's not that God is saying, look, I can't do it. God could do whatever he wants, but, but there is something in the fact that God uses humans to convey a divine message. By the way, if I came to you speaking, I don't know, some other language that you never heard of, would you understand anything I'm saying? Absolutely not. So the idea here is for, for me to speak English. I'm speaking English to you. You're speaking English to me. We understand each other. Now, I may be trying to explain a concept that doesn't have the perfect words in English, but at least I can do a better job at communicating. 
And I think there's that. Now, I'm going to take what you're saying here and kind of jump this into the next question. And, and, and Andrew, I'll let you jump in as well immediately as soon as I put the question up here. But um, if we understand that there is a human element to Scripture, which I think is what we're all saying, so is it possible for the Bible to have mistakes, and in this case, contradictions? So, Andrew, I'm, I'm going to let you uh, jump in because I know you wanted to say something about this. Yeah, I wanted to say something before we even got to that that next question, though. I wanted to kind of finish this because you were talking about inspiration. I wanted to get into inspiration in this in the next question, but I wanted to finish the the, the thought that I had on my head just because you guys, you know, we're talking about uh, the human and divine, right? And go back to that question, you know, that extraordinary extraordinary um, claims need extraordinary uh, um, evidence or right. extraordinary uh, what is that the word I said? Extraordinary ev extraordinary evidence, right? And the first thing that we said that. That would require a miracle to prove a miracle, and it would never end. It would not. First of all, not only uh, will it work, not only it wouldn't produce the faithfulness that God would require from us. Second of all, the the second thing that I wanted to mention was that if when they say extraordinary, that they mean that it has to be repeatable, then we have to throw all of history out with that because if we we can't repeat the the the, the uh, how the scriptures came about or 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 the nature of it then we can't repeat all of history, right? We can't know anything is, is true by that, by that uh, standard, right? And if the last, the last one, if they, when they say that uh, we need extraordinary evidence for extraordinary claims, if they mean that we need um, extraordinary uh, evidence in the sense of, of uh, uh, how would you say, uh, historical evidence, then that's exactly what we have. You know, the word that they have here for extraordinary, uh, see if I can find it, is, um, I've written it down right here. It says, I don't think I, I wrote it down here, but if we, if we think about the evidence that we have for the Bible, right, you know, we have over 5,000 manuscripts from, in different languages. We have resur uh, resurrection, uh, we have, um, how would you say it? so much uh information about the the resurrection of jesus christ as a matter of fact we have even uh how would you say it, a consensus on some of the things about uh, uh jesus resurrection you know that he died you know that people died for what they believed um you know fulfilled prophecy you know like the destruction of the temple and so on you know so when people say that they need extraordinary evidence for extraordinary claims that's exactly what we have in the bible you know, no other document in, in antiquity has more evidence going for it than the Bible itself. So if people want more evidence than is normal for for uh, the, the Bible being a divine document and not an, uh, a human document, we have that. We have that in the Bible. We have more than usual than any other book, right, in antiquity. So I just wanted to end with that. No, no, I appreciate that. Okay, so so... And we're going to get back to this topic, by the way, everything you just mentioned right now, this, this will come up in a later conversation. So, but it's, it's good that, you know, we start mentioning now. Um, so is it possible for the Bible to have mistakes and contradictions? Let me, let me chime in here while you guys think about this. So if there's a human element to it, and we're talking about human words, and we're talking about inspired thoughts, but nevertheless human thoughts as well, uh, in human language. I, yeah, I, I would, I would suspect that so something could be imperfect, but, but here's, here's the issue. If we are trying to describe divine concepts, With God himself, 
with human words, we are always going to fall short every single time. And so the human element has a factor in here. We are trying our best. The best that we have is the Bible, right? The best that we have is the Bible. That doesn't mean, though, that it equates perfectly with who God is and, and what God is like, et cetera, et cetera. Like, for example, we try to wrap our mind around the Trinity, but the Trinity doesn't, I mean, like, we understand that we are limited in the way we can explain what the Trinity is. Nevertheless, that doesn't make the Trinity not true, right? Just because we are limited in our process doesn't mean that all of a sudden, you know, God's reality is any less. So this idea of mistakes and contradictions, um, I, I want to be careful in saying mistakes, mistakes in what sense, right? Uh, I, I don't think we're talking about mistakes so much in the message that is being transmitted, but definitely in perhaps the transcript of it, right? The way it was transmitted to us. By the way, when we talk about the Bible, I mean, I, first thing that comes to my mind is my good old New King James Version. And I need to remember that my version of the Bible is a translation of a translation of a translation of a translation. And by the way, an imperfect translation at that, which means that could there be mistakes in my new King James version? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I, I may touch just a little Blasphemy. thing here. Yeah, I know. I know. Here we go. Uh, give me 30 seconds here. Now, there are going to be some people that say that the only version is the authorized version, which is known as a King James version. That is the, that is the only version that is approved by God, etc. Yeah, that's problematic as well. Okay. Because, because then we, we deny the fact that it is an interpretation and English is not the divine language. Neither was Greek for that matter. Neither was Hebrew. These are all human languages. So, um, uh, we, it's, we, Ara it's Aramaic. It's well, Aramaic. There, is there, there, there's there's some, some some interesting topics on that, but for another time. yeah, for sure. But anyways, so this idea of mistakes and contradictions, um, I would say, look, I mean, it's possible that in in what I have as a copy of of scripture, it there may be a mistakes that does not make the reality of God any less. You know what what comes to mind? I, I okay, so I'm reading this book called uh, Who Made God. And it's 101 questions about faith, about the Bible, about, uh, you know, those topics, hard questions. Um, and and it uh, actually addresses a little about the misunderstandings or the errors. And I, I it says something that's very interesting. It says what the Bible says must be understood in view of what the Bible shows. Uh, what it preaches must be read in view of what it practices. The doctrine of scripture is to be understood in the light of the data of scripture. Um, uh, and, and, and I understand that, that quote, uh, with this, with this simple thing, when we look, when we look as, as at, at the whole of scripture in comparison to these little mistakes or apparent contradictions, um, we gotta honestly be weighed out. Are they big contradictions? Are they big mistakes? You know, it, is it an issue of a comma here or a period there? You know, if we look to it, if we look at the whole of scripture, I think I think we can come to the realization that that even in spite of those mistakes or contradictions, the scripture is still a divine document. Mm. You know, um, you can still be. You can still believe in it in spite of the human element because I mean, look, even even us, we can witness the same, the same event, describe it differently, does not take away the fact that that event occurred, mm. and it's the same thing with with scripture. 
the fact, for example, that you have four gospels, which is something we're going to be touching on, uh, touching on also later on. You have yeah. four gospels, four writers writing about the life of a man. You know, people want to point it and pick and choose the mistakes and contradictions, even in the gospels. But the fact is that Jesus lived. Mm. He still existed. He still did the things that he did. You know, um, now whether or not the writers were educated enough to write it down or they knew how to describe the event in a way that that perfectly described what Jesus said or what he did. We know that even in yeah. our modern advancement, we still don't have that uh, those tools to be able to describe an incident or to be able to to perfectly record someone. I mean, it's mistakes are going to happen. It does not take away the fact that, in this case, the Bible is Bible, that the Bible is inspired by God, even if we were the ones uh, to make the mistakes. That does not take away the fact that God said what he said, did what he did, and showed right, what right. he showed. Right. Yeah, I think that this question here, it, it all goes back to uh, what we believe about inspiration. What is our idea of inspiration? Because if we say, is it, you know, does this, uh, can a divine document have uh, uh, mistakes or contradictions? Then someone might think, the first answer might think would be, would be no. And I think I would agree in that, in a sense. And that's where I want to talk about the inspiration, kind of what you were talking about, uh, Mitch, right? There's, I, I guess, narrowed it down to three different types of inspiration that, that, we, that I at least uh, can think of off the top of my head, right? which is the one that you mentioned, Mitch, the first one, right, is the idea that we have the, the uh, preserved word of God word for word, and it's the King James Version, right? And that's the word of God, and it's been preserved through time, right? And that, and that, that has its own errors, right? Because obviously we have, you know, the Greek and the, and the Latin and all these different, the Latin Vulgate and all these different uh, translations, which, yeah. you know, I found interesting that even when Paul, in, in some cases, when he is quoting uh, the Old Testament. He's not quoting from the, the Hebrew. He's quote, quoting from the Greek. So even in that, he's not even quoting the, I would just, you, the in quotation marks, the more sacred text, right? If we say it's the, Hebrew, the original, right? So when we look at it from that perspective, if we believe that it's that, you know, I think there can be problems there. You know, as, and then there's another thought on inspiration that, um, that the original autographs, that we do not have or have not found, right? That what is, we just what is, have copies, right? Huh? Can we can we can we just define what you mean by autograph? Yeah, like right. The, uh, the original, the original documents, right? The original document. Down? Exactly. What we have right now is just copies of copies of copies, right? And we'll talk about that uh, in a bit. But that we have not found the original document, right? And and many people believe that that document, the original uh, actual Bible, that that is without error. But like you said, once we do that, then we bring it to the level of God, right? Then scriptures on the level of God, kind of like the Quran. So that I think has its own issues. And then we, what we believe is that the will and the revelation of God is what has been preserved. And I think that this, uh, uh, how would you say, this idea of inspiration perfectly matches with what we're talking about today. The idea that there can be mistakes and, and contradictions. So from my perspective, I would say that there is no error not in the sense that uh, there's punctuation here or, or, or there's different parts that, uh, that don't align or whatever, but in the sense that God's perfect will has been uh, uh, transmitted to us 
right? And that cannot change. And that has been preserved perfectly. You know, so that's what I would say from that perspective. Can, can I, can I, can I, uh, can I tell you guys and share with you guys what Ellen White says? Um, you know, we're Adventists here. So, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll chime in every once in a while with an Ellen White quote and, and just uh, let her, you know, say what, what she needs to say. And this is what she says. Look, she says, some look at us gravely and say, don't you think there might have been some mistake in the copyist or the translators? You know what she answers to that? This is her own writing, right? She says, this is all probable. And the mind that is so narrow that it will hesitate and stumble over this possibility or probability would be just as ready to stumble over the mysteries of the inspired word because their feeble minds cannot see through the purposes of God. So, look, this is fascinating. She says, she says look. Yeah, she says, look. Strong word. I know. Strong she says, word, look. Grab, grab, yeah, I know. I know. She said, grab your Bible. Grab your Bible for a second. Open it up. And someone's going to look like, oh, yeah. I mean, look. Isn't it possible that there could be mistakes or could be something wrong in, in, in what I have in front of me? And she says, look, it's probable. Like She's being a realist here. She's saying, look, after so many years of translations, after so many years of preservation, it's very possible that something went wrong in the copy or the translation of it. That's not the issue, she says. In fact, if you stumble over that, your mind is feeble. Take it how you want. Mm. But, but look. <laughs> I, I would I would argue the following. Um, we know about Jesus because of the Bible. Now, when we look at the Gospels, let's just take the Gospels. Let's let's uh, hone in on the Gospels for a second, and we look at some of the contradictions. Can I give you guys some of those contradictions and some of those things that people point to? Okay, so for example, uh, in, well, if, no, no, this is not from Infidels.org, but I'm sure they have it there. Um, <laughs> the wither, the withering of the fig tree. You guys remember that story, right? Where Jesus curses a fig tree because it had no fruit. Yes. Um, there's a difference in the story. In Mark chapter 11, the tree withers the next day. In Matthew, the tree withers immediately. immediately. All right. Um, healing of the centurion servant. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, there's like a Jewish delegation that goes by in one of the gospels. And in the other one, it's the actual centurion that shows in up. Matthew, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's one in Matthew, um, I think, and Mark in the other one. Yeah, that's right, right. Uh, or Matthew, Mark, Matthew, or Luke, something like that. We can get the, the actual text if anybody needs them. Um, two demon-possessed men in one gospel, only one in the other. I think Matthew has two, and then Mark has one, right? Uh, two blind men in Matthew, one blind man in Mark, right? Two angels in the tomb in, I think it's Luke, and then uh, Mark, I think, is the one that only talks about one. Um uh, it, John tells us that Jesus cleansed the temple twice. The, uh, the synoptics tell us only once. So look, people then grab these things and they say, oh, look, I mean, how can you trust this? Look at all these contradictions. Look at all these things. And, and when, like, for whatever reason, like all my life I've grown up and these have been differences and it's never been an issue for me. And so in part, I think it's the willingness to accept scripture as this mix of human and, and divine document, right? But the other thing is that instead of saying, I don't believe anymore because of these things, it's just simply to accept, hey, look, this stuff could happen in the way the story of Jesus was told. What, what do you guys think about that? I was reading, uh, there's a book called The Four Faces of Jesus. Um, and that book touches, focuses on uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
And this, this is what I read in chapter one that talks about like, so the first few chapters, it, it talks about Matthew and Mark and Luke and, and so on. So this is what it says. It says, uh, it asked a question, why four? Why four gospels? Why, what, what was your need for four? Um, and from the beginning, the author says, well, we got to be honest. We don't know why four. We don't know if, if, if they decided to, to say, you know what? Uh, we could have written this together and just put all the information there. But the fact is that we have the reality that we have four. Um, and it says, while the four Gospels have uh, a good deal in common, each is a distinctive. It, each is distinctive in what it says about Jesus. Together, they provide four different views of him and the meaning of his life and his ministry. The four Gospels provide a four-dimensional view of the life of Jesus. And... When I when when I hear these apparent contradictions, right, that one is missing this information, one is missing this information, I go back to the example that that you know I used about us, the three of us, and Jason, say sure. okay, four of us, right, uh, um, seeing the exact same uh, 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 event. Sure, we would describe it if we weren't if we weren't together. Each of us will hone in on specific things of that event that caught our mind that caught our attention. Why? Because we're wired different. And that's how I see the four gospels. You have four writers that saw Jesus, his life, his ministry, his saying, the miracles, everything. And the way that God used their wiring of their brain was what we see expressed in the four gospels. And I'm okay with that. Right. You know, I, I think there, I mean, each each person, the non-believer or the believer is going to have to come to the conclusion that, you know, are those little details uh, uh, um, really that big in the light of what the four Gospels present us of, about who Jesus is? There's a, I think there's like a like a very, how do I put it, like a very rudimentary, very basic uh way of looking at the Bible when that is our stumbling block, right? Mm -hmm. when, when all of a sudden we see, we see, in fact, I, this, this would be a good question should, that, that we should explore here, right? These apparent contradictions, like, should they be a stumbling block to faith? And, and, and I think like, I look, and you guys have come across this, but when you, when you look into these websites, sometimes Andrew, you and I were talking about this, like sometimes you look at the stuff that they have and you're like, like, are you kidding me? Like, if you were just to read one extra verse, you would get your explanation. You or get the answer. Well, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Dude, oh, man, I started laughing. Uh, apparently, there's this guy that has, like, like cannot believe he's he, he can't be a Christian. He has books uh, uh, on this because uh, the idea that he says, well, was Jesus in one verse, it says that Jesus was the carpenter's son. And another one, it says that Jesus was the carpenter. So was he the carpenter's son or was right. he the carpenter? Right. And I'm like, what? Like, how, like, simple, like, do you have, to, like, not even context, just if you think about that. And I was talking to, to Mitch about this earlier. Like, you think about the types of jobs that we have today. You know, we can pick and choose whatever we want. Sure, but if sure. we look just, uh, you know, in, in their time, you were whatever your parents were. You know, if you were a, a, a tailor or whatever, if you were a, a, a did tents, then most likely you you're you, know, you did tents yeah. and your sons were going to do tents. And that's you were a shoemaker, a, a, you know, a, a blacksmith, whatever it was. That's what you were going to be like. That logic 
it's so simple. Like, of course, it says that Jesus was a carpenter's son. And it also says that Jesus was a carpenter because both are true. It's just like, come and, on, Andrew, just yeah. listen and they'll refer bit. you and they'll refer you back then. They will refer you by your father's profession. Oh, you're, you're, you're the blacksmith's son. Oh, so, oh, right. oh, you know, you're, so yeah, and, and that will follow you. You're, you're exactly right. And that's, it's so crazy that people get caught up in these things. And it's, again, something that, that I, well, uh, Mitch and I probably learned it in, 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 at school too. And you probably read it also, Andrew, that when we look at scripture, we got to look at it through the eyes of the people that lived in that time. We're trying to look at it with our own eyes, with our understanding now in the right. 21st century in 2021. And right, right. we don't do it justice. It's like, the ancient world looking at the future through the ancient world's eyes, we place ourselves in all sorts of dangers if we start doing that. But that's exactly how people are looking at the Bible, looking at what God did, looking at what Jesus says through the lens here. And that's incorrect. We 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 make these mistakes in assumptions. Well, well, look, I, adding on to what you just said right now. So. This this idea that we look at it through our lens. Look, we when we talk about copying stuff, okay. Like I had to copy something yesterday. It's basically my copy machine does an exact representation of what I was mm. trying to copy. Mm. Uh, maybe not not one hundred percent perfect, but very very accurate. And so in the process, our understanding of copying is basically an exact facsimile, if I can use that mm. word, right, of whatever we have now. Perhaps since we've had the printing press, that makes sense, but not back then. Back then, exactly. that was not the issue. In fact, look, let's put things into perspective for one second. Jesus, we know, and most likely the, the apostles as well, when Jesus was having his ministry, the dominant language that Jesus handled, that Jesus spoke in, was Aramaic. There was nowhere in Scripture that it tells us that Jesus spoke Greek. And yet, the words of Jesus were recorded in the gospel in Greek. Now, guess mm -hmm. what happens when you go from Aramaic to Greek? Now you got to interpret. Now you got to translate. And in the process of interpreting and translating, something's going to get lost. So, so then you have to say, okay, well, was the intention of the gospel writers to do a perfect facsimile of the words of Jesus? Well, they would have written Aramaic, but they didn't. And why? Because mm -hmm. the, the, the majority of the world, by the time the gospel writers are, are writing, Greek is the dominant language now. And so as they're writing, see, I think this is fascinating. Now they have a purpose to reach people, right? Th their idea is let me convey the message of Jesus as best as I can, inspired by the Spirit, but as best as I can in the language that I am going to be able to speak these things. So... Um, I, th I think that we have to like kind of step out of that mold of like, oh yeah, this is the way I would have done things. And really, biblical interpretation begins by understanding what the words meant back then, even before what those words mean right now. Yeah. Even with uh, the okay. with the language, man. You, sorry, uh, go for it. You, you mentioned you mentioned something with like the. I'm thinking about it with with our terms, English and Spanish. If I if you were to hear someone you know, and your language or the language in, in is English, you would write what the person is saying in English because it's going to reach the most people. 
But even there, when you're doing the translation, Spanish and English, we both, we, we all know here <laughs> between the three of us and anybody else that's watching that there are certain things that be better said in one or the other language. So it makes sense that the same thing will, will, will happen. Does not take away, again, uh, take away the fact that those things were said, that the person existed, that the person said what they said. It does not yeah. take away. It's just a matter of, you know, the flaw, I guess, in, in our human communication. Yeah. No, yeah, I think that that's huge that we have to understand what they were what they were trying to say at that time. And um and, and this is interesting, this because I think this is becoming a problem now that I was looking into that sometimes it, it be, it's even worse because now today in today's time, right, we will take a word, right, that from back then and we will split it up by its root word. And we'll take both of the, both root words and say, oh, okay, well, this root word means this and this root word means this. And then we'll try to make a, a, a definition from the root words. Mm -hmm. But what we should be doing is what did that word mean at that time? Not what does the root word mean? This Sometimes the root words will give us more insight. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think it's crucial. But it's also a danger in, okay, splitting those words up and saying this is what it means. Because it might might as well be that in that in that time it meant something very different as well than our time and, and what, what uh one of the examples i want to give that, that that interesting about understanding the 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 time of that time was um uh the the verse that i have here where it talks about um jesus resurrection where uh, i believe uh jesus in one he says that destroy this temple in three days and in three sure, days sure. you know right and, and then uh it, it's an um the way he says it, it's an idiom, right? Idiom in the sense of that's the way they told it at that time because it says three days and three nights. So mm. one would think, oh, if it says three days and three nights, that means that he would ra rise on the fourth day, right? Mm -hmm. If we were to take it by our standards, right? Three, our days standards, th right, right. Yeah, three days and three nights. Oh, that means that, right. God, that Jesus has to resurrect on the fourth day, right. right? But if we don't understand that that was an idiom, right? Just like how we say the word literally, to mean the opposite oh i literally went you know uh uh, uh die today you obviously didn't die right, right it's right. an idiom right you didn't literally <laughs> yeah, die yeah, in the same right. way that we have those little things in english we have to understand that too that they had that in, in the bible's times as a matter of fact uh i have it here in in esther 4 15 through 16 where it, she uses the same idiom as well it says then esther told them to reply to mordecai go Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. Right. And in the following uh, uh, chapter, Esther 5, 1, it says, now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes. So mm. she's telling them to fast for three days and three nights. But on the third day, she went, you know, and put on and went in front of the king. Right. So it's like, you know, we have to understand the language of, of that time mm -hmm. and how they yep. used it, not just you know, jump to conclusions. So someone might think that this is a contradiction when it really isn't. Yeah. And, and now, yeah. now, now going specifically into the gospels here, see, I, I think there's, there's a, there's a very great verse at the end of the book of John where he's commenting on what he's written. And he says, look, I guess if we would have written down everything that Jesus did, there wouldn't have been enough books to be able to record everything. Okay, so what does that tell you? That tells you that Jesus that that when John was writing, and we could probably apply this to all the gospels, but specifically John, he is selecting 
what should be written in the book, which means that there's intention, right? Which mm -hmm. means that there is purpose. Now, fascinating to me is that I think sometimes we expect a certain level of, of exactitude, of precision in the Gospels, something that they were not worried about. That, and, and in fact, the Gospels were what well, we probably have them by the end of the first century. They're written down. And, and the early Christians in the first and uh, second and third centuries, they don't have a problem at all with having four gospels there. And they know that there are slight differences. And this is, to me, it, it's it's fascinating that they don't have an issue, but we do, right? Where they could have said, no, wait a minute, this is wrong. This shouldn't be like this. Um, in reality, there's a purpose into the writing and each gospel has a purpose into doing that. They're not so much worried about having the specific details of whether or not it was two blind men or one blind man. And again, we have the different perspectives, but they are concerned about conveying the actions and message of Jesus, Jesus' revelation to us. And by the way, to different audiences as well, because they mm -hmm. were not written to the same audiences. You can tell by their writings that their purpose, their intention, sometimes is written to different audiences as well. Andrew, I don't know if you wanted to say something. I, I don't know if you raised no, your hand. No, yeah, I think it, uh, we have to keep in mind all these things that happen because we, we, like you said, we demand a precision from from the gospel writers that they themselves that we can't get uh, asked for more precision than the author uh, uh, wrote down. So we have to allow the author to dictate, you know, uh, uh, the writings and how we read them, you know. So like this this idea of you know of uh, that we have quotation marks, it, you know, uh, you were you were telling me that they didn't even have punctuation in no. in, in, in some of their writings. So we're, and, and then we have the red letters, right? That that say this is what Jesus uh, uh, said, you know, which I think right, is, right. is a good thing, right? Uh, uh, just kind of to show us, you know, what we think he said. But right. we there's no red letters <laughs> in the original documents, you know. And we have to also think about, you know, what was happening at that time. You know, the, in the uh, as far as the Gospels or or after the, in the early church, you know, uh, some of these documents they were under persecution. You know, when uh, after the the, the Gospels, sure. right? So their their focus was let's get the message out. It's not let me get every period and comma right. You know, we want to get this message out as quickly as possible, right? How can we do that? What language? Whatever. You know, how can we get this message out? And of course, there's going to be. Uh, 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 and we're going to talk about this in another in another talk, you know. Yeah, but yeah, but to, but to be fair, to be fair, um, there is a history of the transmission of important documents, mm -hmm. right? Uh, that that happened since Torah existed. That that gets inherited by Christians because obviously, you know, the first Christians were Jews. And so there, look, there's all these things and we're going to get into that. You're right now. Now, what I do want to ask is the following. Do you see the differences in the gospels as a good thing or a bad thing? How, how, how do you, would you say, oh, all of a sudden these differences that, that appear to contradict each other, is it a good thing or a bad thing? How, how would you interpret that? How would you pick that up? I've, I've never actually seen it as a problem to, if I'm like really honest. <laughs> You know, uh, even even okay. So when before going to school, reading just the four gospels, just as see, you know, sometimes we don't pay attention to what we read, but when you start reading and pay more close attention, it wasn't it wasn't like a, a, an issue that really affected me. You know, maybe that's the difference with somebody else. You know, and even now when reading books on 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 the different perspectives and why would they read their way and people's. Uh, 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 what is it? Assumptions on 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 the fact that uh, 
that uh, about these contradictions, right? Um, sure. I don't see them as a stumbling block, honestly, because it it's it to me it doesn't change a message the message of who G, of who Jesus was, of what he said, or what happened. You know, if I started to see those things and I started to see that they begin to change, say like the Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you know, that they mm-hmm. now present Jesus in a different light, all four of them, then 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 there is where I, I will start to worry. But those differences, if it was two or one, uh, if if he did this one day or 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 this happened on one day and in reality, two things happened on that same day, it's. It, it really isn't a, 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 an issue for me, but it could be an issue for somebody else. Uh, Andrew, before you chime in here, um, you said that they don't present Jesus in a different light. I know what you're trying to say. And yet I, I think they all kind of present, a, as you had mentioned before as well, um, a, a, a slightly varied facet of Jesus, right? They highlight something about yeah. Jesus. By the way, we Jesus was not a boring man. I mean, Jesus was the most interesting man in the world. In fact, you have to say that because Jesus is God incarnate. Mm -hmm. How do you describe God? Man, no matter what you do, no matter how you try, you cannot find a perfect way of describing God. And so you're going to try your best to do so. And so I believe that it is better that we have four different angles from the from, from from Jesus' life, because there is not one way to encapsulate everything that God in flesh, the God man, Jesus Himself is, and so so you, you know what I mean. Like um, here, Andrew, before before you chime in here, uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna use the analogy that um, uh, Mitchell Reddish does in his book uh, on the introduction of the Gospels. He says this. He says, "Look, we should think of the Gospels as portraits and not photographs." Mm. photographs capture the image as it is. And although it's not what the reality is, it's pretty close to perfect in photograph form. A portrait captures the same thing, but now there is part that there's that element of the painter that goes in there. Mm -hmm. It's still the same image, right? But now there's something that, that with the creativity and with all these things, the painter's trying to do. I think that's what you have to look at when you look at the Gospels, the differences in the Gospels. What you go in and you say is, look, this is not a photograph. By the way, if we think that they were actually writing these things down as Jesus was doing them, man, their minds were getting blown at the moment of all the things that they were seeing. It, eventually, the story gets passed on and they write it down. Sure, perfect. But but we, we just got to admit that it's really a portrait of the life of Jesus and there is something in the human element that says, man, that part I loved about Jesus, that Jesus was the word made flesh. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, right? It, 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 John just captures that better than anybody else, but that doesn't discard his story among others. A- Andrew, sorry, I, I didn't mean to chime in there before. Oh, you, you're, you're good. No, I mean, you know, when we look at the difference in the Gospels, what we see are... I wouldn't even say contradictions. We would say apparent inconsistencies, right? This is the way that infidels.org puts it, right? They change oh, their tune from they change their tune from contradictions to uh, consistencies. They put here. Uh, it says these lists are meant to identify possible problems in the Bible, especially those that are in in er, inherent in a literalist or fundamentalist interpretation. It says, keep in mind, however, that what constitutes a valid problem is 
is to some extent a matter of opinion. You may disagree that these, in fact, are genuine biblical problems. Oh, it says, even though accepted and common definitions of these two terms often make them synonymous, inconsistencies do not necessarily equate to contradictions, and inconsistencies involve a lack of harmonious uniformity, regularity, steady conti mm. continuity, or agreements. And when I read this, wow. right, when we talk about inconsistencies, <laughs> this is like perfect. This is this is what we want when we're talking about eyewitness reportage, right? We do not want uh, everything from one gospel to be saying the exact same thing of another gospel. Then uh, was it a collusion? They could say that collusion, it was collusion yes, that, yes, that they all they all got together and talked about. Okay, this is what we're going to sit down. This is what we're going to be writing about, and, and so forth, right? Just on top of that, the fact that all these writers were at different places at different points in time writing these these gospels right the how powerful is that to think that you have you get what is it called undesigned coincidences in some of these stories right uh, uh, and, and we we say that well you know does this uh, 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 does this make the case worse you know when we have uh, several gospel writers I think it makes it stronger right uh, well, i'll give you an example here of an undesigned coincidence right in john two eighteen, it says uh the jews then responded to him what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this jesus answered them destroy this temple and i'll raise it again in three days right this they replied it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days but the temple ha he had spoken of was his body after he was raised from the dead his disciples recalled what he had said Right now we look in, uh, I believe it's Mark 15 through 27. It says the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many t testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Then stood, some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands and in three days will build another not made with hands. Yet even in their testimony, they did not agree. So we have two different Gospels writing, mm. two, writing two, uh, on the same almost uh, um, event that's going to happen, but from a different perspective. One, you have what Jesus actually meant when he said, you know, I will destroy this temple. And then you have what his adversaries thought that he that's meant right. in that text, right. you know. So you have these undesigned coincidences that happen in the Bible, through, through especially through the, through the Gospels, that I think makes a stronger case. So when we talk about these inconsistencies, I think it's all about perspective, right? When we talk about the one angel versus the two angel, you know, we got to think about the fact that maybe the writer was trying to put more emphasis on the angel that actually the spoke. One. It might have been mm -hmm. more more angels. We don't know that. So it's not right. a contradiction in this, necessarily, but these, these things actually make the case stronger. Uh, I was telling you about this, Mitch, you know, the fact that people say, uh, you know, in one, one gospel it says that, the robe they put on Jesus was uh, purple. Another gospel says it was scarlet, right? But when you actually look at the the, the Greek word, uh, I believe is porphyra. I don't want to, you guys can look it up. You know, porphyra, it says a shell that is reddish purple. Like, dude, that mm. makes the case even stronger. Reddish right. purple, that, mean, that means to tell me they that combined. it could have been either color, right? It's yeah. not necessarily a contradiction. It's As a matter of fact, these uh, details give us even stronger uh, evidence for the gospels. Yeah. I, I, by the way, I, I'm I'm going to bring this in here right now just to be fair, right? But there is a huge branch in theology that looks at all these things. But one of the issues is that 
the synoptics. And by the way, when I when I say synoptics, I'm talking about the three gospels that are very similar to each other, right? Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, they argue that it is possible that there was another version of the gospel, what they generally call as Q. And Q was basically the base document of which they wrote, and that's why they have so many similar things. Um, even if that was the case, right, going back to what you were saying, Andrew, even if that was the case, the point is that when this stuff was written down, there were people that were still alive that knew about Jesus. Yep. There were people that were still alive that could have easily said, you know what? Nope, that's wrong. Nope, don't accept it. By the way, uh, Paul himself, when he writes, you know, and he talks about the resurrection, he says, look, uh, this is the gospel, right? Jesus died. He resurrected on the third day. He was seen by so-and-so. He was seen by so-and-so. He was seen by this person. He was seen by another, what is it, 500, I think he says, like by another 500. He's like, and some who are still alive today. In other words, he's saying, hey, go go check this information. Like, like we got nothing to hide here. This is true. And 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 so, again, you got these versions of add, it. Can I add to that real quick? Yeah, yeah go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And, that, and we actually have that, which is called P129, which is uh, current, 1 Corinthians 15, right? Which is the creed that you're talking about that over 500 people were there. And that actually is dated by even some of the atheist scholars to two years when uh, 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 to in after two Jesus years death. after Jesus, which yeah. is crazy to me. Well, by, by the way, because we, we got we got to define this because maybe some people don't understand what you mean by P one twenty nine. P means papyrus. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay, and so and so papyrus one twenty nine is just as they have found these different things, right? They will classify them by number, and P generally goes right before it. But but no, you're right, and and the the whole point is that there's there's not an issue at the beginning, but because the intention of the writer was totally fine in trying to highlight the divinity of Jesus. When we see, for example, John, you know, or when we see, I don't know, um, uh, Mark try to show the conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees. These are all things that they're trying to do on purpose. And their intention isn't so much to, for you to focus on one or two blind men. The intention is for them to focus on the fact that Jesus healed blind men. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I'm not saying that these apparent contradictions don't matter. But it does tell you, and, and you use such an important word, Andrew, collusion. You know what they didn't do? They didn't get together and say, you know what? Let's just try to peel out one story and just, just so nobody has any questions on it. I love the way Luke begins his gospel when he says, look, I've studied this stuff. I've looked into it. I, I've done all my research. And this is what I believe is what truly happened. And I write it to you. What, what's his name? Uh, Theophilus? Theophilus. Like that? Yeah. Theophilus. He's like, and, I, and I write this to you so you may know. Right. And, and so you you just picture you see an honesty coming from Luke saying, look, I, I know this stuff happened. I went and did my research and my research is what you're going to read right now. And now you get the books of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles. So I, 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 don't, I think it's a good thing, actually, that we have four different versions of the life of Jesus. Yeah, I, I wanted to, to mention, too, something back to that question of, you know, should this be a stumbling block to our faith? Because we see all these different you know, contradictions that we have, you know, or apparent contradictions that, you know, I think it's important for us as individuals. And I say this, uh, you know, for myself, you know, I have gone, you know, through some of these different contradictions or different, you know, uh, uh, inconsistencies and have gone and tried to reconcile this. This is actually something personally that has built my faith, you know, to go and look into these scriptures. That's that's what really, I guess, got me on this this journey, right? In the search for truth, you know, oh, you know what the Bible says, this inconsistency or this, you know, what does that mean? 
and you and you and you uh how do you say it? you uh chase it down right until you have a something that you can uh how would you say settle down on and say okay you know i'm i'm okay with that and i think that it's important for us to reconcile these not just as a defense to other people but for yourself to strengthen yeah. your own faith but yeah. one thing i want us to realize that there's this uh this false concept that we have to reconcile every single contradiction that we have, that we have to go and chase down every single one of these contradictions that we have. The same idea that people uh, uh, say that, oh, you know, you can't know that your, relig- uh, your religion is true unless you've, you've gone through all the religions, right? You've, you've gone chased down every single religion, then you can't know that every religion is true. You know, I think that, there's, that this is a false concept. You know, when you start to chase down some of these uh, 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 inconsistencies or these contradictions that you see, you start you start to get this reliability for the Bible and Jesus that even if you go in with the mindset of like, you know what, I'm going to try to prove the Bible wrong to some sense. You start to gain this reliability for the Bible to the point where you say, you know what, now you're on the opposite side of the coin. You know what? I believe that even though I haven't reconciled every single one of these contradictions, the Bible has been so consistent in prophecy in, in, in history, in uh, uh, undesigned coincidence, in typology, it's been so strong in all these other cases that in the ones that I haven't reconciled, I'm okay with that. I'm yep. okay with not having to reconcile every one of those. And you, of course, you still have to do this, you know, uh, continually to build your faith. But I want to give you an, an example recently that I think uh, 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 one about uh, blind Bartimaeus, right? Mm-hmm. That this actually, I think within, within 10 years is something that, that could have been unreconcilable. Right. And if you would have stood on this uh, subject and said, you know what, uh, I'm not going to reconcile this, but I'm not, I'm not going to lose my faith. You would have been OK, because right here it says in Luke 18:35 it says, then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. That's what yeah, Luke 18:35 right. says. Right. Now, Mark 10:46 says now they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus sat by the road begging. So someone would say, so was, did he come to Jericho and heal uh, blind Bartimaeus or was he leaving Jericho when when he healed blind Bartimaeus? But in the, I believe in the last 10 years, right? It says uh, uh, a man, uh, I forgot his first name, but it says Selin discovered that there discovered the twin cities of Jericho, one being the old city mentioned in the book of Joshua and the other in the new Roman city. The two were about a mile apart in separation and called Jericho. Therefore, Jesus left Luke's Jericho and was arriving at Mark's Jericho when this took place. Just about 10 years ago or when, when this was recently discovered, someone could have been confused on this topic and said, you know what? I can't reconcile this. What do I do? Am I going to lose all my faith? faith? No, you say, you know, the Bible has been so consistent in every other aspect yeah. that I'm going to stay strong to this and then look and be lo and behold, how many years the later came, and now you yeah. can reconcile it. A- Andrew, Andrew, but look, let me, let, I'm going to bring in Chris's comments here. Cause I think it's important. And it comes to this very point. And it's also what Ellen White was trying to say, right? This is what Chris L- Lopez says. He says, it's interesting that these apparent contradictions aren't impactful on foundational doctrines like salvation or grace. They're mostly minor issues like Carpenter's son and the carpenter. And then he says, and these minor issues should, shouldn't, he'll, he'll correct that in a second, cause a Christian to stumble at all, right? There it is, it shouldn't. Now, the reason I bring up his comment is, is the following. I mean, if you are going to stop believing in God because one gospel says he was going into Jericho and the other one, let's just say that in the past 10 years that wasn't discovered. And you're going to say, 
that's it. I can't believe in God because so was he going in or was he going out? Then you have just missed the point all together, all together. <laughs> you know what I mean? At that point, it's like, wait a minute. So you mean to tell me that your faith is based on geography, not on the individual Jesus who was God incarnate? What in the world? Now, feeble minds. This is what Ellen White says, right? Where we grab something like that and we say, oh yeah, no, I, I just, I just can't believe in that. I just can't. And, and I think that's, at some point, we have to mature. We have to mature. Look, all three of us enjoy sports. We All three of us are Laker fans. All three of us have watched. Actually, Martin, I think you're a Laker fan. Um, what you mean? Ho- you hopefully, think? I didn't get that wrong. Oh, yeah, okay. All right. All right. All right. Just, just making sure. Just making sure. Okay. So, Correction. But we, we've, all, we've all watched. You know, let, let's just talk about when we were young, right? We all watched Kobe Bryant play at some point or another. And we could all, all probably point to those games when they were playing against the Sacramento Kings or whatever. And we could tar- start telling the story. And we're not more than 10 years, 15 years removed from all that. Yeah. And yet, if each one of us was telling what we saw in that game, we would say something different about the game. Now, you could go and stumble on it and say, oh, yeah, no, that game did not happen because, look, you guys can't agree. No, forget that. The game happened, man. Like, I'm I'm just trying to express it in the way that I best remember it. And, and I'm trying to convey the emotions that I felt when, you know, I saw the law from Kobe and Shaq dunked it. And, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, these are the things where you say, why is it that we, we, we test the Bible historical record at a level that we wouldn't do anything else? Because we wouldn't do it with anything else. We wouldn't. Like we're, we're totally fine. Look, we just had the Capitol riots. If you look at the newspapers, each one of them has a slightly different version to the story. But guess what? It happened. It happened. Yep. And we're totally fine with that. And yeah, see, yeah. That, I wanted to add to that. Oh, go for it, Martin. No, no. What, what, just, you know, okay, so listening to, to, to both of you guys uh, talking about, you know, these apparent contradictions, right? Again, if... Jesus himself gave it, spoke to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, um, about that they that the fact that even with those big signs, even with the big evidences, they still wouldn't 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 believe. People don't believe uh, the words of Jesus. We have the example of the people of Israel in the Old Testament. Man, they had these huge signs that God did through the prophets, yeah, and yeah, they still yeah. had a generation that didn't know who God was. Yeah. And we think that we are the exception when we're not we're going to find sooner or later we're, we we're going to come to the conclusion that ellen white says in the book of uh, uh steps to christ that there's enough evidence to believe and there's enough evidence to not to believe and you got to come to th- to that choice whether you weigh it out believe or see that it's lacking and don't believe and that's on you we can we can we can spend our time here speaking blue to the face and examine every single apparent contradiction down to its Greek and Hebrew origin. Right, right. And people will still not believe, or I don't know, maybe it's a person that's watching us, you know, and they and they're saying, well, you know, that's not enough. Then I don't know. I think right there it falls on you because we can lay all the evidence down on the table, and sooner or later. You have to make the choice, believe it or not, and that's a matter of choice. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I just want to add to both of the things that you guys were saying. You know, um, man, uh, the, the the fact that well, what you were saying, Mitch, that you know we put a standard to the Bible that we wouldn't put to anything else, a mm-hmm. scrutiny that we wouldn't do to anything else. 
You know, and back to that that point that I was making in the beginning where uh, extraordinary ex- they say extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. You know, atheists themselves don't do that with some of their ideas that they have when it comes to the Big Bang, the yep. idea that nothing <laughs> came from nothing. They're willing to believe that with the what evidence where when in time has nothing come from nothing ever. And they're willing to believe that, but they won't believe the Bible when it comes to the ideas about the multiverse. You know, they're trying to dodge the fine tuning and they and they come up with the ideas. Of, have you heard the ideas about the multiverse? It's like they're willing to believe these things. Right. That have almost no evidence, just ideas, just so that they wouldn't believe what the Bible says. Right. You yeah. know, or or what you were saying, uh, Mitch, you know, uh, um, as far as, uh, you know, when we recount like uh, what the, the gospel say, you know, about how things happen. Right. I was I was talking to you about an example that I heard about Bart Ehrman, which he does not allow the Gospels to harmonize. He he gets every right. single gospel right. and he puts them against each other. And he says, no, you can't look at them as one testimony. You have to look at them as individual and compare them to each other. Right. I'm like, right. how does that even make sense? Like when we look at like you were what you were saying, you know, about, uh, um, you know, when I think about the 9-11, what happened in 9-11, right. you know, right. it's like it's like saying, oh, you know, well, on this news channel, I saw one plane. On this news channel, I saw two planes hit the tower. Or oh, on this channel, I saw them hit the Pentagon. On this one, I saw them hit the, 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 the towers. On this one, you know, it was this plane. On this plane, on this channel, it was a different plane. Oh, but you can't put them all together. You have to look at them individually. You can't put them all as in, in one account. No, because that wouldn't be true to the story. It's like you, you don't you, do that. You know what? Account. Yeah. You know what, Andrew, though? This is this is fascinating because you mentioned that and it just reminded me that in the world that we live in, everybody talks about living your truth, L- living living your truth. No one can tell you what your truth is, right? And this is postmodern thinking, as we know, where there is no one story, right? There are multiple truths, right? Uh, many ways of expressing the truth. And yet that's exactly what the Gospels were doing. But we'll deny scripture. So you know, look, I I hear you, I hear you, I and and it's and you know, and sometimes it's frustrating. I will say this though, I think that especially for those who are watching, one of the things that we as Seventh Day Adventists believe is that you do not form doctrine out of one verse, right? And I think that's very important because what we're trying to say is that we understand that that one verse may not have everything, but we do believe that in scripture you will find exactly what you need. Um, we we got to start wrapping this up. So, and I know Martin, Martin is not at home, as you guys can see, because it's a really nice setting back there. I'm not trying to say anything about your to close the church on him. <laughs> yeah, but but we 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 got to wrap things up. And so and so, let's just jump to the very last question. And as briefly as you can, um, why should we trust in the Gospels? And and again, I, we've talked about this already. So this is more of a summary of what you've expressed. But you know, somebody says, "Hey, so do you really trust the story of the Gospels?" What would your answer be? And, and Maureen, just in case they turn off the lights, why don't you go first here? Yeah, yeah, that's actually. Yeah, uh, I'm glad that you asked me first because I do actually got to go. Um, I would say, I would say yes, because they still present. There's still enough evidences that point to the fact that the Gospels say the truth. There's archaeological evidence. There's other. Other uh, uh, writers that that weren't that you know there's the Roman writers there's uh, Jewish writers that point to the fact that Jesus existed that Jesus did miracles that he he did the things that the gospel writers say that he did you know and and we should absolutely trust the gospels we should 
absolutely trust the full, the, the, the whole Bible, because it presents to us God in a in a light that is real, that is true, and that st has stood the time. Mm. Uh, and with that, guys, I do got to go. <laughs> we, we, we understand we understand brother no no we we, we get it uh but but thanks once again martin for sacrificing late friday nights uh to join us on this conversation of course, but, of course. Uh, we'll, we'll, you guys. We'll, we won't see you on the next one though right i, I don't think you're no. you're gonna be no not for the next we one have a revival week yeah yeah so we'll be we'll definitely be praying for you but we appreciate it martin thank you so much thank um you blessings uh andrew andrew what say you why should we trust in the gospels to wrap this up oh man such a loaded question that we got to, I have to put this into a concise uh, uh, format, man. I, I guess if I had to say something, you know, why uh, aside from the fact that I believe that, you know, God is real and I have, you know, and my personal experience, right? When we're talking about evidence here, you know, I, I would, I guess, throw out these three things, you know, scholarship right now. There's three things that are uh, of consensus in scholarship that, that are fact as that they believe are fact. Nine, consensus means 90% of scholarship agrees on these three facts. One, that Jesus was a real person. Mm -hmm. Two, that Jesus died by crucifixion. And three, that the disciples died for something they believed it was true. That's right. Yeah. And if you just go off, just if you just go off those three things, man, so powerful that Jesus was a real person, right? You, you have outside uh, extra biblical sources. Josephus, sure. you know, sure, sure. Uh, Tacitus, all these different, uh, the Bible itself, right? If you hold that to it too, you know, that Jesus was a real person. You have to then look at the gospels and say, okay, who is Jesus, right? You have to at least look at him as a good person and say he's a, a prophet, right? At least if you just yeah, look yes. at that first point. The second yeah. point was that Jesus died by crucifixion, right? This is huge because also the, the I think the, the empty tomb, Right. I think I don't know if that's a majority. I, I believe majority is 70 percent consensus. Consensus is 90. But this empty tomb, the fact that Jesus died by crucifixion and they found the empty tomb, his enemies, all they had to do was show a body. Right. And they could not do that. They could not do it, right. All the claims. Second point. Why I believe the Gospels. And the third and last point was the fact that the God, the, that the, the gospel, uh, the, the disciples died for something they believed yeah. was true yeah who dies for something that's a lie yeah, yeah. I, I, you know what i mean and and um, those I, yeah. I guess that would be my if i had to put it into three points that's the things that I, that i would um for sure um I, I would i would say the following to this question uh, i trust the gospels because it is the best story of jesus that we have uh it is four versions of that story for sure but this is what we have. This is what tells us about Jesus. And as you said, right? I mean, Jesus, real human being. I know there are people out there that deny it, but over overwhelming, I mean, even those who don't even believe in God will say, yeah, Jesus was real. We know that, right? Uh, but we know he was real. And the story that we have, the best story that we have of Jesus is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they tell me about a God who loves me. They're, they tell me about a God who was willing to die for me. Uh, they they tell me uh, of the revelation of God Himself, of God who des who desires to be with us, of a God who 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 actually incarnated, left all that up there to come down and be with us, so that we could then be up there with Him. That's not only a beautiful story; it's the best story. 
Mm. And it's about the greatest human being that ever existed, who was also God himself. And so I, I trust the Gospels because it is a story of Jesus, and, and my faith is deposited on Jesus. This is the best that we have. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that God has given us four versions of that. Um, I, I want to make sure I recognize, uh, Andrew, before we end, uh, Chris Lopez, just because he quoted my favorite book, which is true. I'm glad he still remembers that. We do not fully understand, this is Steps to Christ, we do not fully understand God and his works. If we could, there would be no more truth to discover. There would be no further growth of the heart and mind. God would no longer be first and above all. Let us thank God that he is greater than we are. And as he concludes his comment, yes, trust the Gospels. Look, we got a great story in the story of Jesus. Uh, we have something amazing. And I think that, uh, honestly, as believers, man, we got to dive into that story more and more. Uh, but uh, again, we want to thank everyone that's joined us today. We hope that this conversation is going to be a blessing for you, that it's going to spark some thoughts in you, that'll make you actually go back to the Gospels and try to discover greater things about Jesus in this in these four versions of the life of Jesus. Uh, but Andrew, uh, I, I think it's a blessing that we have this. And, uh, and I hope that it's going to be a blessing for everybody that's been watching us. And again, if you can, right? Uh, hey, hit that, hit that, uh, the, the, the like button or the, the thumbs up button in Facebook. All right. Notifications. On Facebook. Yeah. Uh, subscribe, uh, hit the like in YouTube. Come on, do it right now. It actually helps so that other people can see it as well. Uh, and so we just want to make sure that this gets out to other people. Um, and so if you're watching us, if you haven't subscribed, subscribe, remember you can watch us in Spotify as well. Uh, Andrew, uh, I'm going to have the last word of prayer because we're going to give it to Martin, but his lights got turned off. So uh let, let's let's bow our heads and let's pray uh, heavenly father thank you so much for allowing us to get together one more time have another conversation this time about the trustworthiness of the gospels and we are thankful that you have given us four versions of the story the story of jesus of the greatest story that's ever existed uh, we pray that that story may change our lives will make us better get us closer to you teach us more about who you are uh, but if anything lord uh, help us always trust and have faith in your word as you have given it to us. We thank you for being with us tonight. Bless all those who joined us live and those who are watching afterwards or listening afterwards. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Uh, so once again, thank you so much for joining us uh, here on another conversation of Keep Calm, Advent On. Uh, we will be back next week, God willing, at the same time, which will be what, July 2nd or whatever it is. I don't, I don't even know what, what day it'll be, July 1st or something like that. Uh, but we hope that you'll join us. Uh, keep an eye out on the Instagram post. You will see our next conversation and the time as well. But once again, thank you so much for joining us. And remember, whenever things start getting a little crazy, whenever you start wondering, should I trust or should I not trust? We got five words for you. The same five words we give you every single time. Keep calm and Advent on. Keep looking to the coming of Jesus. Keep looking at Jesus, especially in the Gospels. God bless you. We'll see you soon.